Welcome to Run Your Mouth. I'm your host, David Melly. This week's episode is a first for Run Your Mouth, as we're so lucky to be joined by reigning world and Olympic champion pole vaulter Katie Najat. Katie may not have a lot of long runs in her training, but she was a fantastic guest, and I absolutely loved the opportunity to nerd out over one of my favorite events in track and field, while getting into all the usual fun Run Your Mouth topics we all love. Katie is an Atlanta-based pole vaulter with a personal best of 4.95 meters who won gold in Tokyo and Eugene in 2021 and 2022, along with a world indoor silver this winter in Serbia. But behind those big championship performances were a lot of mental and physical challenges along the way. And on this episode, we talked a lot about the barriers Katie's had to overcome this year and how managing the quote-unquote post-Olympic hangover turned into one of the biggest professional hurdles of her career. This conversation really shows how the end result of an athlete's season only really scratches the surface of their true story, and how getting to know some of the sport's biggest stars can teach all of us a lot about overcoming our own obstacles. This episode of Run Your Mouth is presented by Nike. We've partnered with them to help share athletes' stories in a way that reflects all the different reasons we choose to run, work out, and find our part of the greater track and field community. In my conversations with athletes in all events and all levels over the years, one common theme I hear over and over again is that finding the unique ways running brings you joy is the best way to develop a happy, lifelong relationship with the sport. So come run with Nike for the everyday and common runner. Nike is committed to motivating, standing by, listening to, and helping from the starting line to the finish line and every inch, meter, and mile in between. Whether it's a local road race, a major marathon, or just a run with friends, get out there and run just do it. Check out the Nike Run Club app and come run with us. Thanks for listening. Make sure to rate, review, show us some love wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on social media. Check out the other podcasts in the Sidious Mag Network. And as always, enjoy the episode. Okay, welcome to Run Your Mouth, uh, which I normally say is long run talk for long talking runners, but we're going to need to change our tagline today (laughs) because we have uh, a prominent uh, vaulter uh, on the the pod this week. Uh, I don't know... Fast running, high jumping. We'll we'll come up with some sort of uh, some alternate caption and in, in, in posts. But uh, Katie <laughs> Najat, welcome, welcome to the podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, this this was fantastic, and I uh, I'm so excited to have uh, uh, a vaulter on. I think you're our first vaulter. Um, oh yay! And, uh, <laughs> although I will say. The number one way the pole vault comes up on this show is that whenever you ask uh, what's an event that you would do if you couldn't do your original event, people always say pole vault. It's really, the, yeah, it's the sexy event. Like, I think like, <laughs> pe- like I saw that video of um, whatever the street meet that that Mondo did in Europe a couple of days ago. And it's like, yeah. the crowd is all right there. It's a fun it's so one to watch. Cool. And I think it's, I think people really uh, respond to that. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad I love it. So I'm glad other people get to see it in settings like that. Do you, if you could do an event that was not the pole vault and be good at it, what, what would you pick? I mean, I 
so let me start by saying I have no endurance. I'm terrible at it. I had a 30 minute run yesterday for like a pre preseason and I struggled, but um, I love watching the mid distances. So like 800, 1500, I just, I just think they're so exciting because they're long enough that they're strategy, but you still have to be really fast. So, and I am always in awe of things that I'm not good at. So that's, that's definitely a big one. All right. Well, we'll mark you down for the mile in the alternate reality <laughs> then. <laughs> Great. What's the longest run you've ever done? Oh, I, it's hard to say because I don't really measure how far I actually, like, it'll be okay. You have to run for 20 minutes and then it's just at like a slow pace. <laughs> um, I mean, in high school, we'd have to do timed miles. And I think my best ever was, and I mean, this was young high school, was maybe like just under eight minutes. So I, not fast, not fast. Um, so I don't, I might have, I, I would say probably just, I, I, yeah, a couple miles at the absolute most if I had like a longer run, but then I go slower. And so I doubt I even got that far. And we were, we were just uh, chatting before we, we got on uh, your fiance is a, a rower um, yes. and, and a rowing coach. So has, has, have you ever hopped on the erg and, and tried that out? Yes. Once, um, <laughs> because usually when I have the time, I'm either resting or, <laughs> yeah. um, but it's, I enjoyed it because, and I think it reminds me of pole vault and that you're trying to perfect the same motion every time with rowing. You're trying to, I was trying to perfect that movement every time I did it because there is absolutely a technique to it. So it was kind of addicting in that sense to just try again and again. Um, but yeah, I don't know that I would be very good at it for, <laughs> an extended period of time, which you have to be as a rower, <laughs> um, because it is endurance and it's all, I mean, it's full body, but you have to be so strong in the legs and that's definitely not my strongest part of my body. So, uh, I did a lot of muscling with that one, but <laughs> have you, uh, all right. So I'm obviously I'm terrible at pull-ups and I think like the most <laughs> pull-ups I've ever done in a row is like maybe 12. Yeah. <laughs> um, have you ever tried to max out and see how many you can do in a row? Actually, no. But what we would do in college was we would do, you jump up and do one and then you jump up and do two and then you jump up and do three and then four and then five and then six. And I think I got up to like 13 or 14. So when all was said and done, you're doing, you know, I don't, I'm not going to even pretend to do the math that quickly, but <laughs> that, that is, yeah. <laughs> some sort of factorial or something. I, I, I don't know about that. Um, well, so before we get into it, so I guess one of the things that I wanted to kind of start with is, you know, on paper, looking at the last couple, you know, the last two seasons, basically, it's like, you know, Olympic gold, world indoor silver, world outdoor gold, seems like oh, like this has just been a fantastically easy ride. But I think for anybody that's been following your training and your season, like that's, that's not quite what it looked like in between, uh, the, the championships. No. So you want to walk the listeners <laughs> through like, what is the, what has 2022 been like, or, or what has it been yeah. like since the Olympics for you? Um, and I'll start by saying, I always feel kind of guilty when I talk about it because of how well it ended and 
with how great 2021 was for me because I don't want it to sound like, oh, woe is me. Like I'm ecstatic with how it finished, but it truly was the hardest year I've ever experienced as a pole vaulter. And that's saying I, I've had mental blocks in the past. Um, this was just different. I, after I won, I got to do so many cool opportunities things like I got to talk to the Cleveland Browns. I'm from Cleveland. So I got to talk to the Cleveland Browns. I got to throw out a first pitch at a guardians game. I got to, you know, just do all these amazing things, but all of them were uh, surrounding the pole vault and what I did. And it was amazing because I got to just talk about the best day of my life over and over again, but I didn't realize how exhausted I was until I started competing in January and I just felt like I didn't really get a break and I took six weeks off physically, but I think not stepping away mentally and emotionally, just when I came back. And like I said, I started competing. I remember my first meet is Reno pole vault summit. You know, it's one of the most fun meets it's early. I was only jumping from short approach, which I ended up doing most of the year anyways. Um, but you know, it, it's just fun. And I remember standing on the runway during warmups going, oh, this is going to be a long meet. And then thinking, oh, this is going to be a long season. And I had never had that on the runway before. Um, and I, it just, it just kind of snowballed after that. It just seemed to just grow exponentially for me, just this feeling of just being tired and burnt out and not so much physically. I mean, I was still doing well like in the weight room but it just vaulting requires such a mental focus and an energy that i can't really explain because you have to tell your body what you want it to do very specifically and every time you come down the runway it has to be a hundred percent you can't really jog in it, it you can come from shorter approaches but the intensity still has to be the same and i just didn't have the energy to, to focus and so I just got to a point where I was really struggling and I, every, you know, every day I felt like I was leaving pretty defeated. I would run through a lot and I just didn't, I, I had always heard of post-Olympic depression or hangover or whatever you want to call it, but to actually go through it, I didn't think that I, you just, I've done this my entire life. I, you just trained, that's what you do. But I really crashed and, um, yeah, it was, it was hard because I, like I said, I felt kind of guilty talking about it because of how good last year was. I mean, I accomplished my biggest dream and what most people's dream is if they're an athlete. And so it's like, oh, get over it, you know, but it was really hard. And I, I talked a lot with a sports psych. She was amazing. Um, and even just saying I'm struggling and I, I, and hearing from her, like that's normal. And a lot of people were going through it. And, and then towards the end of the season, I did start to feel more like myself. And then my Achilles, I got uh, tendinosis and bursitis in it. Um, and it just, it just hurt. Um, and it was my takeoff leg. So not only does it hurt, but you're kind of worried, okay, if I jump off this the wrong way, is it, is it gonna, is it gonna tear? So thankfully they said, it's not in danger of tearing. It's just going to hurt. So as long as you can manage the pain for the next month, you're good. And thankfully I did, but I think my body just 
in every way by the end of the season was saying, you need to take a break. <laughs> you need to be done. And I'm so happy I found that motivation again and that excitement again, because I, I said to myself, if I keep feeling this way all the way through the end of the year and can't even find it to qualify for worlds and, and do well at worlds, then that's my sign. You know, I'm 31. Maybe this is just what it feels like to be done. Thankfully, that's not the case and I'm not done, but it was, it was really hard the whole year. <laughs> So what was, I guess, like, what turned the corner for you? Was there a moment or was it kind of just a slow, you know, getting back in the swing of things? It was slow for me, um, just coming in day after day and just doing what I could each day. Um, and I think go, doing well at the Rome Diamond League, which still wasn't a great showing by any means for me, but that just kind of showed myself, okay, you still have this in you. And then when I came back from that is when my Achilles flared up. And for me, I've always, if I've ever had anything to keep me out for a couple of weeks, you know, I've rolled my ankle. I tend to come back, whatever mental things I was maybe dealing with. I think I'm just so relieved to be over the physical injury that I'm, I just, that tends to go away. So I, I do think almost the stress of the injury kept my mind off of the emotional stuff and then once that went away or at least like as I warmed up it started to calm down and that's that's typically what would happen is I would warm up sometimes it wouldn't go away and then other times it would and it would just like classic tendinosis tendinitis tendinitis things um but yeah uh it was just coming in and doing what I could and just hoping for the best <laughs> um, day to day. Didn't know what it was going to look like, but yeah. And so, I mean, vaulters, you know, some throwers, like you're, because you're able, if you, you know, want to, to compete like so frequently during the, the meat, meat of the season, you know, folks will have, you know, like you could do three competitions a week if, if you had to. How do you kind of like decide for yourself what the balance is between like getting competition opportunities versus like, I need to train, I need to mentally recover, like I need to focus on the postseason? Yeah, the older I've gotten, especially this year, it was like, you got to try and train. That, for me, when you're younger, I want I take advantage of every opportunity you can. Um, absolutely put yourself in every meet that opens its doors to you especially internationally because once you kind of get your name out there on the circuit as long as you go out there and hold your own from my experience is you tend to get invited back and but you have to kind of just tire yourself out a little bit and almost just train your like compete your way into shape um and so yeah as the older I've gotten I haven't needed to compete as much to prove myself. And one of the best decisions I ever made was back in 2018, I had the option to go to Europe for some indoor meets. And this was before I really kind of broke through and jumped what I did at Nas, you know, that 16 foot bar at nationals to kind of change the course of my career. And I, I said to my agent, I, I was like, thank you for getting me these opportunities, but I think I need to stay and train so that I can make this indoor world team. And that was the best decision. It was scary because you just, you think like, oh, am I passing up opportunities? But I knew in my gut and my coach was telling me like, this is what will 
help you is just getting good solid training in. So there's a balance just knowing the older I get listening to my body more, not competing too much. Um, and, and I'll probably continue doing that, just kind of sticking with the big meets. Um, but yeah, it's fun to, to still go to the smaller ones, the street vaults, things like that. So I imagine there's also, you know, almost like a peer pressure element too, where the, 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 you know, elite vaulting world is so small and you're yeah. competing against the same people a lot of the time. And obviously there's kind of like, yeah. a, you know, what works for you doesn't necessarily work for, you know, Holly or Sandy Absolutely. or somebody else. And so Absolutely. like, you got to kind of like put the blinders yes. on. <laughs> yeah. Especially when you're younger and you're seeing all these, you know, your, these girls, your friends, like competitors competing at these meets and you just want to go to everything. And that's the older I've gotten, especially this season, it was very easy for me, you know, afterwards to be like, I mean, it's, it's never easy because I am competitive, but I just knew 100% without a doubt. I didn't care what anyone else was doing. I knew that I needed to step away and not finish out the diamond leagues as, you know, as hard as that is, it's, I know that I want to go through 2024 and with how this year went, if I had kept going, I, it might've done like irreversible damage mentally and physically. So, <laughs> well, and on the positive side, like what are, what's like the things, like, I think we all have those kind of like, oh, as soon as my target race is over, I'm like going to do, you know, I'm going <laughs> to go skiing. I'm going to go to the beach. I'm going to yeah. like, drink a giant frozen margarita like what are the things that you look forward to after <laughs> in the postseason <laughs> um, for me it's just not I when I'm training even on rest days you know I'm always focused on vaulting it's always in the back of my mind it's okay what am I doing today to you know recover what am I doing what am I eating today to be my best for tomorrow and um you know we alternate hard and easy days but so it's when I get rest time just being able to not think about pole vault is the best thing for me and just stepping away from it completely um and yeah I I like to go hang out with my family and my friends uh, my fiance is I, I feel like I'm never actually at my home in game in um, Atlanta because I am in Cleveland visiting my family and I'm with my fiance in Gainesville and I'm visiting friends god you know who knows where so um, for me, it's really just about being away from the vault and that's, a, and that's totally healthy for me. And some mm -hmm. people don't want to do that. That's fine. But, um, yeah, just going and being with the people that I love and care about and not have to stress <laughs> or think about it. <laughs> well, I think like, you know, some of the, like when I think about the psychology of it, right. You know, I think there are certain there are certain events where there's sort of a big margin, right? Like if you're a, you know, shot putter, like you might be able to, you know, improve by like 20 centimeters in one competition, yes. or if mm -hmm. you're a 5k runner, like you might be able to knock seven seconds off your uh, PB, but there are certain like the 800, the, you know, the 100 and like the vault and the jump, the jumps in general, like you're, you're literally, you know, going for centimeters. And yeah how does that, you know, once you're up sort of like in those, you know, when you're at your peak, you know, you're in the, you know, four nines every weekend, like, how do you kind of like stay excited about like the concept of like trying to get that, that one centimeter PB? Yeah, I think 
for me, what's cool is I've had good attempts at, you know, things like the world record, the American record. So that's very motivating for me. Um, obviously that didn't happen this past year, but it did happen in 2021. Mm-hmm. So that's still very motivating. And I actually in the, in the pole vault, because we can, you know, go up a pole, it's not just us by ourselves. There are so many variables. You can improve quite a bit in a competition. I mean, I did it in 2018 will just did it at the european champs like you do see these big breakthroughs for people and you know you can a lot of people talk about hip height in the pole vault and Mm -hmm. it's just you know where your hips are peaking over the bar and obviously if you don't clear the bar no it doesn't matter but i think that's what kind of keeps us addicted to it is (laughs) seeing how high it's there there. maybe we didn't like clear at that time but like I, at least I have the height there. Like I, I can be that physically high in there. And so that's, that's really, I think what we keep chasing. One of the things I was kind of curious about, you know, obviously having competed all around the world, is it ever an issue sometimes, uh, you know, obviously like with the vault, like it's so, um, you know, uh, uh, it's a much more of a conversation with the officials than some of the other, like, you know, moving the standards and what the height progression is going to be and all that stuff. Like is the language barrier ever a challenge or is that really not, not a problem most of the time? Not usually. They usually get people in there that can speak English and we just do everything in centimeters. So that's, that's the difference is when you start competing. It's a language barrier when the NBC commentators are. For the most part, no. I will say one of the, in Doha, one of the officials actually yelled at me to sit down and I'm like, is this because I'm a woman? I don't know. Um, (laughs) Because like I was protesting to get another attempt and it was a very valid reason. And Mm -hmm. one of the the main officials actually came over and said, you have to give her her attempt. And he was a local guy and was like, literally yelling and pointing at me, like, sit down. And I'm like, I just asked for a very valid protest but okay like sure <laughs> but otherwise like no there hasn't been too many issues there <laughs> yeah i have to imagine you know it's like i mean it is it, it looks like you know whether it's a high school meet or worlds you know i feel like the the vibe of the vault is like this very similar thing where it's like yeah the folks are all kind of you know you're watching each other's attempts whether you're teammates or not you know you're giving yeah. you're helping each other out lending polls that sort of thing um yes. that I feel special and unique about you know the vault and and Absolutely. how much is that like you know compared to other events do you feel like that kind of creates an environment where it's easier to be successful yeah I I think having people around you on the runway that you can just talk to like even I mean in competition obviously we know those boundaries and we're not going to be super super friendly but even like at the olympics during the prelims holly bradshaw is probably my best friend on the circuit um she's just amazing um we just roomed together in so many of the competitions that we just got really close and she was on the other pit and she comes over and we had passed the first couple heights so we had a while to wait around and so she came over and she's like do you want to just sit on the back of the runway and talk i was like yes that would be awesome to make this feel like a little less stressful. Um, and so, yeah, just 
it's it's nice having people that understand what you do and you know know how hard it is and you could put everything into it and and no height on a day you know it just and you're mm. out there for hours so if you didn't talk to anybody it would be very lonely and <laughs> stre more stressful and you know so I think it just yeah it is something that's special about the pole vault and I I really love it it's introduced me to some of my favorite people well I know so speaking of the camaraderie of competition I I hope I'm not misremembering this, but I, a little birdie did tell me that you were like the local braid expert on Team USA at the Olympics. No, I'm not. <laughs> I actually, I, I get braids, but I can't do them to save my life. Um, Holly has done them. Michelle okay. Stamet has done them. <laughs> Heather McLean has done them. Um, That's what it was. It must have been Heather doing your braids, not yes. vice versa. Yeah. <laughs> she's amazing. She did them for the Olympics. She did them for Indoor Worlds and they've always looked spectacular. So <laughs> I wish I was the braid expert. I, I feel like because of the Olympics, they kind of became my signature thing. And I went to a photo shoot once and they're like, oh, could you do your braids? I'm like, no, I can't. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, where is she? Fly her in. Yeah. And then, I mean, speaking of teammates, like, obviously, as as an Ashland grad, you must have been very excited this year with, with the season that Trevor had and, and like, oh all God. the hype that your team was getting because of that. I was so excited. And the, the fact that they shouted out Ashland and, <laughs> oh, we need a medal count for Ashland. It's like, yes. Um, no, I was so excited for him. And I kind of gotten to see him progress from college even before people really knew who he was and I, I was like this this kid's talented he's got a lot of potential and even at worlds you know people were talking about oh how's the 400 hurdles gonna go I'm like I think Trevor's gonna medal I'm calling it right now and he did and I just I'm very proud of that <laughs> Go Eagles! I just, I just feel like every meet he was getting better and better and he the more he's pushed the faster he goes and I'm I was like look I think I think he's gonna do something really special and, and he did and I think it's just the beginning for him I I do think sometimes like you know like obviously there's always the kind of comp conversation about d1 d2 d3 like what's the best fit yeah. for you and i i do think sometimes the like having the opportunity to kind of thrive on a smaller scale kind of gives you the confidence and you know creates a cir circumstances where you you know how to win you know how to you know yes. handle pressure and then that kind of moves forward and and we've seen i mean you know a lot of like d2 athletes with with a ton of success in track and field and yeah I, I have to think that's kind of, that's, that's part of the, the magic to it. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, I think it does instill this confidence in you that you are capable of doing some pretty incredible things. And it, what's, what's kind of nice with my journey is it's taken me time at every level to reach the top level. So it took me until my senior year of high school to win the state meet. It took me until my senior year of college to win nationals. It took me until five years out to, you know, get a contract and all that so it just I agree that d2 there is something about it that not only instills that confidence but it there's just a I don't want to say a laid back feeling but it's more of it taught me this internal motivation of you know this is D2 so there it's not the same kind of pressure as d1 because I did go d1 first 
And there was kind of that silent pressure in D1 of I have to do well, I have to prove to people that I chose right. And when I went to D2, it was almost like, I'm just here to be the best that I can be. And if I don't show up to practice, like, yeah, people will be annoyed, but it's not the same as that D1 pressure. So it really taught me to just show up every day to be the best that I could be. And that was something I personally, I didn't find in my D1 experience, but mm. I, that doesn't mean that that isn't the case for other people. Um, but I just, I love that it, it taught me how to hold myself accountable and yeah, find that internal motivation because there is a big difference between the internal and external. If you're just doing it for other people or to, to prove to people that, you know, X, Y, and Z, then it, it, it doesn't work for me anyways. It helps. Mm -hmm. it, it facilitates it, but you have to have that internal motivation of, I want this for me to, to do well. So, and speaking of, you know, kind of the, the differing motivations, you know, kind of the, the like hot button news topic that was, you know, got a lot of coverage this year was Sandy joining the group and yeah. having that set up there. So like, walk us through, like, what is, what is the training group setup look like right now? Yeah. Uh, we have a few of us, um, and I, it's kind of switched in the past couple of years, but we have, we now have Sandy, we have Kristen Brown, we have Robin Bone, who's a Canadian vaulter. We had Natalie Uwe, she's Filipino vaulter, but she, she just left the group. And then, um, we have Hussein, who is a, a Saudi Arabian vaulter that vaulted for Kansas. And I think I hit everybody. If I forgot anyone, I am so sorry. Uh, we do have, <laughs> we do have some new vaulters coming in. I don't know if I, if they're like sharing it yet. So Stay I don't want like, to say it. Stick to Instagram. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'll let them announce. Um, but I, yeah, she came and checked it out back in 2020. She was just kind of putting feelers out. I, you know, and um, we decided it was probably going to be best for everybody to just wait until after the Olympics to make a big change in the group. Um, because it, yeah, it, at the end of the day, it is, you know, my biggest competitor coming in, in an Olympic year that would, that, you know, I didn't know how I would deal with that. And then she's also, you know, got this system. If she comes into a brand new system in an Olympic year, it's just a lot of change. So, um, it, it worked out with her coming in and, and it's been great on it. So it's so funny because everybody is like, what's it really like with you two? And people will ask our training partners, what are they actually like? Like, do they get along? It's like, yes, we do. Um, she Which, is by the way, the, like, is like, you know, we were talking about before, like such a gendered thing too. Like nobody's ever <laughs> like, do Grant Fisher and Mohamed like each other? Like, <laughs> you know, it's like, I, I do think that is totally. It's a, yeah, no, it's definitely, it's like, how's that going? Is that, yeah. right? no. um, but she's just truly one of the nicest people I've ever met. She doesn't have a bad thing to say about anyone. Um, and she just works really hard. She I'm, and at the end of the day, that absolutely, especially during preseason last year, before I really kind of crashed, um, it, it, I mean, I was pushed harder than I ever had been in a preseason before just training with her and it, it was awesome. Um, and yeah, we're competitive people. So when we get on the runway, we want to win, but I almost felt like it was this feeling of training next to each other rather than against each other. Um, and so that it was, it was cool. I, and, you know, obviously 
as I was struggling, it wasn't necessarily easy to see her like doing well in training and like, but it wasn't anything against her. It was just, I was struggling and it's hard to like go through that. Um, and I just, I felt kind of bad cause she watched me do nothing all year and, then, you know, come out and do what I did at worlds, you know, but that, that's the sport. And we, we um, talk about was, that sometimes with, uh, with track and field relationships where it's hard when yeah. like, one person's doing well and the other's not so much, yeah. like. <laughs> but she was so, so gracious about it. And, you know, just, you know, made a point of saying that she was disappointed in herself that she didn't clear that last bar but she was very happy for me and it's like that that takes a really classy person to to say that when they're when they're sad in the moment um so yeah i i i mean i have nothing but good things to say about her and i'm really excited to come in this year and actually be a good training partner for her <laughs> longer than just the preseason <laughs> yeah that's definitely uh you know and i imagine too part of it is like the um you know making like especially with like home worlds at hayward familiar environment like you know it, it feels like practice when like you're already practicing with like you know the other yeah. like most credentialed medalist in the field you know yeah it was definitely very cool to be but it didn't it almost didn't feel like worlds because i'm so familiar with hayward and it just like it almost it, it was definitely a home field advantage because part of pole vault is you got to kind of get used to it visually as you're running in. And, um, I, I knew exactly what to expect there and it was pretty awesome. Well, if there's one thing I know from running or from track and field Twitter, it's that, uh, one of the biggest problems in pole vaults is, uh, airlines losing your pulse yeah <laughs> or breaking, or breaking your pulse. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah what's like the worst like I mean you don't have to put this specific airline on blast but I, what's like the most stressful travel situation you found yourself in yeah about a month before the trials all of my poles snapped in half last year every oh, single one of them and the thing with pole vault poles is I had been on the same ones like the literal same poles since college since like right after college so you just you really build a trust with them because they are human made even if they are manufactured the same you know each time it comes out it could be slightly different they're usually not because that's i mean we trust the, the pole manufacturers but yeah i it was just a fluke thing i i don't i still don't know how it happened or why it <laughs> happened but i'm not gonna you know call out the airline because they were great and handled it very well and um you know and they're, it's, they're expensive too so it's yeah like, they're not cheap yeah. um but actually it ended up being kind of the best thing for me i i the pole company i was working with at the, at the time said they weren't going to be able to get poles to me in time for my, my next competition we called all their pole companies and they could and i got to just experiment and try different brands in a way that most people don't get the chance to because the way that you are in a meet is very different than in practice and it's like a true experiment like it's it was really amazing that you know those pull companies did that for me and i really think the i got to pick the absolute best one for me it, so did you end up switching it up i did i did yeah. yep and i mean no Look, I, I mean, I was on those polls for years and, you know, I don't have anything necessarily bad to say. It's just that was at the end of the day, I had to do what was best for my jump. And, and that's, I think, a big 
part of what helped me do well. So what, like when, what's like the sign, like this is just me being a nerd, but like, what's the <laughs> sign that you like need to go up in polls? Like, yeah. So when it's kind of just where your hips peak, you can only push the bar back so far with standards. And so if you're coming in and hitting it on the way up and the bar is getting pushed off to the, into the pit, mm -hmm. that's your sign to go up. If you're coming down on it on the backside, that's not, you don't want to go up at that point. So it's really just about safely getting into the pit. And if you are coming through so fast that you're knocking it off on the way up, that's how you know. And, and before we, uh, while I'm thinking about it, so like, uh, did you do, do you have like a gymnastics background diving? Like, I feel like people never like get yeah. to the pole vault organically. There's always kind of like something else yeah. along the way. Some people do. <laughs> I mean, Sandy never did gymnastics. Jen Sher never did gymnastics. As far as I know, I, I, mm -hmm. I think I got that right. Um, but I did gymnastics just until I was about eight years old. I think I got to like level four. So I had the basics of like a back handspring and general upper body strength and body awareness. And then I did diving in high school. So the combination of the two definitely helps. I think sometimes the farther along in gymnastics you get, gymnastics helps a lot, but there are some things in gymnastics that aren't great for pole vault technically, a lot of like the running mechanics, things like that. And mm -hmm. so it gives you a really good base, but I, what's nice is I didn't really I didn't really get any bad habits from that for the vault itself. And then diving really does give you kind of that, that body awareness. And so I think there are some times where I can kind of maneuver around the bar a little bit, maybe better than some other people. Just, just having that background, it, it's nice. And it's a, like a good, can you still do like handsprings and stuff? Like that's usually a good party trick or. Like... Don't know. I, I bet I could, but I have just not, I haven't tried to throw one. Why, why risk it, right? <laughs> I can absolutely do stuff like on the pit, like throw flips on the, on the pit and on trampolines and stuff. I just, with the hard ground now, I'm like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> do you have like, uh, like, uh, is there like a go-to celebration that you're like, uh, the big jump, you're like, this is, this is my thing, or do you just mix it you up? You mean like right whatever? when I fall? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like people do like the summer somersaults. Or yeah. Like, yeah. For me, it's more of just like, I just like come into like a ball and just like feel all of that excitement. Like some people explode outward. I just bring it all inward and just like feel. So I'll like just lay there on the pit, like in a ball, just a pure excitement. <laughs> I probably don't look very exciting to everyone else, you know, like Sam Kendricks will go running around the stadium and like Sandy's fist pumping and I'm just like laying there just if, if you get the close-up pictures you can see the motion like, is there happy, yeah I'm just I'm more of like I can't believe I just did that <laughs> and before we get to our wrap-up questions uh I have to know you're getting married in like a couple months right like, yes so well yes, congratulations first of all second of all Thank how you. is wedding planning during the season <laughs> not, was, not drive you crazy <laughs> no it was great for me um it gave me an outlet I do think there was probably it, it added stress whether or not I wanted to believe it um so that probably didn't help because it was another distraction but in a way I, I needed something to distract me um 
I have been planning my wedding since long before I met my fiance. So it was like just making the phone calls. Uh, it was pretty easy for me, <laughs> but it's going great. We're, yeah, we're pretty much done with all the big stuff. And now it's just kind of the fun little planning things, paying the vendors. Are you, are you just, getting married in Ohio? Yes. Yeah. yeah I assumed. But <laughs> yeah. He's from England. And so as tempting as it was to get married at a castle, I was just like, I have so many friends and family that could not either afford to get over there. Some don't even have passports and just, it, I think it was going to be a bit better for his family to get here than to here. <laughs> my family to get there. So my dad had 52 first cousins. So I've got a big, big old family. Long, long invite list. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so how many, how many vultures, <laughs> how many vultures in the wedding party? In the wedding party. So, uh, Kristen Brown, my roommate, okay. um, Mary Saxer, Cyber, Cyber, I feel horrible that I don't know how to pronounce that, but I feel like I just see it. I read it. Um, <laughs> um, and then um, one of my college friends from Dayton who was a vaulter, but not professionally. And then a couple high school friends. And yeah, it's a good a good That's mix. a pretty good roster right there. Uh, like, you know, <laughs> pole vaulters, there are pole vaulters invited. So, <laughs> yeah. um, awesome. Well, so we ask all our guests the same three questions um, that have nothing to do with track um, and okay. field. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, the first one you should be well equipped as a big TikToker, um, but oh, the first one is your internet crush. So, like, not uh, doesn't have to be a real crush, but like, what have you been very obviously like? the little kids singing the corn song, like that can be an internet crush. Like, <laughs> what are you into these days? What's the, what's the trends that are on your For You page? I would say I love makeup. Most of what I follow on TikTok has nothing to do with sports. Um, and so I would say just some of the makeup people that I follow, Michaela, um, Glamzilla, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, just, just some of the, some of the TikTok beauty people for sure. I, those are, I think those are fat, like some of those get on my page and like, I, I really like the ones where like, they make themselves look like famous people. Yeah. Like they'll be like, I'm going to do my makeup. So crazy. I look exactly like Dolly Parton. And you're like, what like trickery wow. is this? Like, Yes. Right. <laughs> yeah. That for some reason, uh, there've been a ton of golf videos on my for you page. Oh. Okay. Which I think the problem is that like, I don't, I've literally never played golf. I don't follow. Really? Golf. I love yeah. golf. So. <laughs> I think I just must've like watched like one or two, one. like, and been Probably like, oh, it's pretty interesting. Thing. And then they're like, you just want more of this. Yeah. Like, I feel like um, it's also a lot of like true crime stuff. I love true crime documentaries. Uh, so I get a lot of those yeah. in podcasts. So that stuff scares so, me. So I, I don't yeah. like, I don't want to yeah, like fair. be up at night. I can't even do like, I literally like, don't, I can't watch Stranger Things alone. Like I'm, very, I'm a wuss <laughs> about that stuff. Uh, That's fair. Uh, the next one is your go-to karaoke song. Somebody hands you the mic. It's your time to shine. What do you say? Uh, say TLC No Scrubs. Oh, great choice. It's just like one like range the entire Easy range. Time. Yeah, but also yeah. do you have like the full left eye verse down? Like you've got to memorize. So, like, yeah. <laughs> that that's a crowd pleaser right there. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and last but not least, your death row meal. You're going to the chair. Ooh. One more meal. Anything you want to eat. What do you want to eat? Oh, that's so hard. Um, it would definitely be something in the Asian variety. It would probably be sushi, if I'm being honest. It would probably be 
just all you can eat just sushi keep, yeah keep all bringing you it. Eat sushi, but like the really good all you can eat sushi <laughs> yeah if you're going out you got to go out in style you know <laughs> yeah right <laughs> what are you drinking what's the do you have a, a cocktail choice or, or wine or beer I, I tend to like fruitier stuff but not like sickly sweet like coconutty drinks um actually my wedding drink is gonna be an amaretto sour so it'll Ooh, be sweet but not good. yeah sickly sweet um <laughs> so yeah something along there those lines having an amaretto sour for that I was, I was just in um germany and they like literally every establishment there including like pizza places has aperol spritzes and i really like aperol spritzes, they're good so. They're, I've, they're had a, I've had a bunch of those in the last five days but yeah. Uh, yeah I like the I like the sweeter the sweeter side of cocktails too although weirdly yeah. also like really hoppy beer so go figure <laughs> really I'm yeah. more of a Hefeweizen blonde type beer person that, yeah uh, my my boyfriend and I have like opposite taste in beer so it's sometimes hard <laughs> to find the like the Venn we like the Venn diagram of like what's yeah. the I like a blonde ale like that's about at but, least like, you're never fighting over them yeah you that's just have true your own stash <laughs> in the fridge um well my fiance loves fruity drinks like the fruitier the better like we are requesting twisted teas at <laughs> from the bar <laughs> that's that's uh that's fair yeah the um I definitely like a, a, I like a cider and like a, you know, I mean, like a, a seltzer yeah. on a boat is like a good move too. Like, seltzers are great on a boat. They're just, yeah. they're nice, Can't light, go wrong. refreshing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, awesome. Well, thank you so much for, for coming on. This was a, this is a fantastic conversation. Um, yeah, this is awesome. I'm hoping if folks don't, you know, aren't uh, big field event nerds uh, like I am that they have learned a lot too which is not usually Hope our so. shtick but, uh, <laughs> Hope so. uh, thanks again uh, for coming on and uh, until next time this has been Thank Run Your you. Mouth